Good morning. morning. Good to see you all here and and on time. I know the time changed, but you all are here. It's raining outside, but I'm always thankful for the rain because that rain brings about life. And we kind of look at it in a negative way sometimes, but it's necessary for for our survival here on earth. But, uh, you know, so we we serve an awesome God, a mighty God. And I'm so thankful to be able to be here to worship him on this day. And not only to be able to worship him, but also to be able to share uh, some scripture from his divine word with you all. Uh, You know, I was trying to, usually when I come up with a lesson, I try to think about, well, what's happening, what's going on, uh, how how can we relate, you know, what's going on right now. And... um, you know, our, our uh, marriages are in trouble. You know, there, there are several marriages just within this congregation that, that are suffering, that, that are on the brink of divorce, on, on the brink of saying, I, I just want to give up. I, I'm, I'm tired of where I am. I, I'm, I'm, I can't deal with it anymore. And, and, and you know, you, you think, well, don't, don't even look around and think about who, who, who he's talking about. If you see a married couple in here, that's who I'm talking about. So put it that way. It's it's a thing that we have to go through. Uh, But it shouldn't be so. We shouldn't have to struggle with our marriages. Uh, And, you know, I've already done a a series on marriage and and all of that. And, you know, I really didn't, wasn't really the message I wanted to put out today. You know, like, here you go with another (laughs) message on, on marriage, but I think that it's needed. Um, and, you know, we can always wait to our next marriage couple um, meeting and all that, but some of you may not be there. So I'm going to take the opportunity today, while God has blessed us with this day, to address this. And, and, and you know, you may say, well, it, it doesn't pertain to me, you know, I, but you'll be surprised who's in this congregation, who's in this audience today that have gone through Divorce, that have gone through domestic violence, that has dealt with issues within the marriage, and now you're doing good. So this message is for you as well, because, you know, we have our brothers meeting, and if you don't show up, you don't know what issue the other brother is having. You know, when our our ladies meet, you know, the older women you know, you, you don't realize, you know, it, with you just speaking up and telling your testimony, telling your story to a younger lady, what they are going through. Mm-hmm. You, so this message not only is for those that are married, but I hope and pray that if you have gone through something in your marriage or if your husband or wife is deceased or if divorced or whatever it may be, we're all in this thing together. You know, so my message today is geared towards a broken marriage, a struggling marriage. And, and, and unfortunately, you know, our younger generation is, is looking at us. And unfortunately, even within this congregation, marriage is such a negative connotation on marriage. Bro, you don't want to do that. You know, that's, that's not right. So if you are married, if you're a married brother and that's your look on marriage is that, man, you don't want to do that. Well, this message is going to be for you, too. So 
Uh, but if, if, if God says that it's a good thing, who are you to say that it's not? So uh, beginning at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 22, it says, Whosoever findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor with the Lord. So if God looks at marriage as a good thing, then who are we to say that it ain't good? So we need to change that mindset. You know, marriage is the, the, that oldest institution that we see in the Bible. And we see that over in Genesis chapter 2. And I, beginning at verse 18, it says, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the uh, sky and brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky and all the wild animals. Get caught up here. But the uh, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then called uh, up and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man. And he brought her to him. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now, you remember when you were dating or even when you first got married, everything was all good. You know, know, your friends may have looked at at him as as being, you know, lazy and his expectations may have been low. And, you know, you may have looked at her as she is just tenacious. You know, she's outgoing and all these things. And, And you looked at her in that way. But, you know, your friends may have thought that, but you thought, hey, he's, he's got, uh, you know, he, he, he's got ambitions. You know, he, he's, he's, I can mold him. He's going to be okay. <laughs> you looked at him differently. There was no wrong in your eye. You know, you, hopefully you remember that because you, 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 you thought so highly of him that you were willing to take his last name. So surely he, he wasn't a bum and, and all these negative things and you still decided to marry him. So I, I'm, I'm sure at some point in early on in the marriage that you looked at him in a certain way. And. But what happened? Something along the way happened. And, and you know, I look at even looking at Adam and Eve. You know, we don't know what conversations they had, you know, in the garden. You know, everything may have been going along just fine. And, you know, uh, I'm sure Adam had his little issues and Eve had had hers. And I'm wondering if 
if Adam used to play jokes on, on Eve, if she was gullible, yeah, who knows, right? But maybe because of that, Satan looked and saw, well, she's gullible, uh, or she's a little weak, so let me test her out. So I'm just wondering what was all transpiring <laughs> during that time early on. But we see what happened over in the next chapter, in uh, Genesis chapter 3, we know that, we know the story, you know, the, the Satan tempted the woman and they both ate of the tree that they were not supposed to. But this is where sin came in. And then when sin came in, now we see issues in their marriage. So uh, Genesis chapter 3, beginning at verse 16 So uh, this is what happened uh, because of that sin. It says to the woman, he said, I will make her pains and childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. You know, so up until this point that that they were just going around with life. Everything was all good. There was no set hierarchy or any of that. But because of sin, now the man is over the woman. You know, so now, and one thing that we know that, you know, when y'all childbearing, you know, there's pain and all that there. But you wonder sometimes, well, what, why is it that, you know, I, I, I like to, I, wanna, I want more affection from my husband. I, I want to cuddle up. I want him beside me in bed every night. I why am I seem like an, I'm, I'm chasing after him and he just doesn't seem the same way? Why is he not as emotional as I am? Why is he doesn't seem as attached as I? Well, that was part of that, too, is that you're going to desire your husband. You know, your, your husband may not have the same emotions that you have, but, you know, we I'll get into that a little later. But that love, that's why we're commanded to love. But so in that that whole issue with the sin that crept in. This was what transpired. And for Adam, it says to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree about which I command you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you through painful toil. You will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field by the sweat of your brow, you will eat uh, your food until you return to the ground. Since from it, you were taken for dust. You are and to dust, you will return. You know, this is a whole nother lesson in that, you know, not only has he commanded us men to work for what we eat, work to provide, but in this work, and this is the first part of we seeing that Adam was charged to do work. And not only for our families, not only to eat and, and provide, but God has charged us to work within his kingdom. God has charged us to work for him. You know, we look at uh, Noah. Uh, you know, he didn't tell his wife to go build the ark. He told Noah, hey, you labor and build this ark. And we look at Moses and Joshua and all these men that had battle, we, they were to lead and to work and to do. So because of this, you know, because of this sin, we are charged to do a thing. So don't, don't, 
You know, so, uh, so often as men, we try to skirt around doing work. Why are we skirting around what God has told us to do, Amen. has made us to do? <laughs> so in all you're, you're doing, don't we can try to be lazy. But at the end of the day, you're still going to you are charged to do work. And I know women are in the workplace nowadays and, and all of that. That's that's fine and dandy. But men, we have a charge to do work, not only to provide for our family, but don't skirt around doing work in the kingdom. If we're going to do all that out in the world. Why can't we do work in the kingdom? But I, that ain't my message today. So, uh, you know, so because of all this sin, you know, and I, I, I imagine, you know, looking at verse 20, it says Adam called his wife Eve. So all in the garden, he was probably calling her, honey, hey, my love, babe. But now he's Georgia, Georgia. <laughs> I still call her my love after 20, was it 25, 26 years, 20, 25, 26, 26. After all that time, that's my love. But I do call her Georgia. <laughs> but just think of all that, that could have transpired without this sin. And just thinking of the things that Adam may have overlooked and the things that we overlook, y'all, we have to be very mindful of those things, especially those that are maybe thinking about getting married. Those things that you tend to overlook now are going to be magnified when you get married. You know, like I said, you you may have looked at him as, you know, being a little bit laid back and, you know, expectations a little low. And or maybe he was just the type that wouldn't mind sitting on the back porch and rocking all day. But he worked. Right. So you, you looked at it and say, OK, well, I know he's going to be home every night. I, I, I like that out of him. He's just simple. That's, that's all right. I like that. So but you can't let that you overlooked it then. So don't get to a point now that you don't got all this stuff going on. And now you want to be all up here and, and everywhere else. And, and, and yet he's still a simple man. Right. Or, or he was the type that liked to you know, go out and party and, you know, you're always hanging out with the fellas and all these things. You'll overlook that at one point because you thought he was adventurous. Oh, you, you thought he was, you know, he's, he's on the edge, you know. You, you like that then. Well, if he ain't changed now, <laughs> that you was willing to overlook that at one point. But now that you're married and you've gotten more mature and he's stuck there, you know, that's going to be an issue. You know, or you looked at her as, as being, you know, strong-willed in a way or just, uh, you know, just a go-getter. You know, she just wanted to, you know, she was about her business and structure and all that. And that was a little different than you, but you like that. And, and now you look at her as like, I can't, she just always got something to say. <laughs> but that's the same person that you loved at one point. You're just looking at it differently now. <laughs> But all those things, you know, because of those things, because of sin, now that is crept into the marriage because of fornication, because of adultery, because of, you know, uh, being selfish, selfish ambitions. All these things, all these sins are now within the marriage and you're letting it take over the marriage. And now you're in trouble. And, And unfortunately, 
we let that fester so long because we hadn't realized how to deal with that. And now we say, well, I want to get a divorce. And that is put out there so lightly is that I want to get a divorce. Society makes it so easy to get a divorce. I don't even know what the running rate is. Probably $99 to get a divorce now. (laughs) Uncontested. You know, but as a Christian, should it be so? You know, we we read in in your hearing earlier, uh, Matthew chapter 19, beginning at verse 3. Some Pharisees came to Jesus to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Because we just don't get along, because she's changed or he's changed or won't change or whatever it may be. Is that a reason for divorce? Well, today we make it a reason for divorce. Today, we, 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 because we, we get to a point where we can't get over ourselves, we get to a point where we didn't deal with these issues early. We're not dealing with things according to God's word. And now we can't stand each other. Now we are not only verbally abusing each other. Now we got to the point where we may be even physical because we can't stand each other. Now, isn't that something that the person that you claim to love the most, you can be the most evil and nasty towards you know, somebody can cut you off. Somebody can do you wrong at the job, but you still won't curse them out. You still won't treat them a certain way. But that husband or that wife of yours on certain days, you just can't stand. You will say any and everything that you purposely hurt them. You know what gets under their skin. You know what's going to hurt their ego. You know what's going to hurt their feelings, whatever it takes. You want to hurt them. The person that you love, the person that you gave your name to, the person. Mm, and now I want a divorce. But Jesus said, have you read? Haven't you read? Jesus said that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they ask, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. Except for sexual immorality, you're not permitted to divorce. And I'm going to come right back to that. That is one other reason. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7 in 39, it says a woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone who uh, she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. Uh, going back to that, except for sexual immorality. Yes, that is a reason. 
to divorce. But it doesn't say because of sexual immorality, get a divorce. That's right. That's right. Now, you can choose to forgive him or her, right? But when you choose to forgive him and her, him or her, brother, you can't say, well, I forgive you, but I, I, I ain't going to forget. <laughs> so if you choose to continue on in your marriage after infidelity, we must move on. And we must do what we have to do to make that marriage work, make that marriage the best thing possible. Uh, but, you know, the reason I think that we are suffering in our marriages is because we've forgotten our roles. We have forgotten our roles according to God's word. Now, we, we say, yeah, I'm the man. I'm the husband. It's my way. The word says I'm the head. But are you doing those things according to God's word? Have, have you forgotten what God has commanded you to do? And if, if, if you have, <laughs> then things are not going to work out in your marriage the way it should. And the same for the women. So the role for the men is a spiritual leader. First Corinthians 11, verse 3, it says, But I want to, uh, you to realize that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is man and the head of Christ is God. So the head of every man is Christ. Amen. Now you say, well, God is the head of my life, but your marriage is in turmoil. Amen. You're talking to your wife in and every kind of way. You look at her, you can't stand her. you're living in separate rooms and all this stuff but God has told you hey you lead this household if you're the head are you truly the head of your wife and are you truly headed by Christ are you being led by Christ are you truly and and, you know I, I appreciate you know just looking at two things that I thought we really needed to to look at uh, that's going on. One was addressed, of course, in Sunday school about giving. <laughs> and the other is marriage. And these things are, are going on in the church and they need to be addressed. And we unfortunately look at marriage and we know that brothers and sisters are struggling and we just kind of push it on and you're going to be all right. But I, I want you to know how you're going to be all right. <laughs> every aspect of our life, every aspect, we find, on, find it in the Bible. God gives us the instructions on what we do, should do. Yeah. You know, we, it tells us not to lean, lean to our own understanding and, and, and all these things. We, we, we can't do that. So if you're struggling in your marriage, if you're struggling in life, let's see what God's word says to do. It corrects it all. It corrects it all. So if if you are that spiritual leader and if you're not, then you're going to struggle. And and not only that, let's see. First Timothy, chapter three and verse uh, five, it says, if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? So if, if brothers, if you're struggling at home, if, if you 
you and your wife don't see eye to eye, or even if your children, if you don't have them in subjection, how are you going to come in here and be a leader? And then we look at those qualifications for deacons and elders, and if you don't even desire to do those things, why aren't you desiring to do those things? Is it because of what's going on at home? All right. All right now. Well, my thing to you is get things right at home so we can get things right in, in the kingdom. Amen. So, and if you're struggling on how to do that, this is how. We look over in Genesis chapter 7, beginning at verse 5. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his, uh, his son's wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Now, Noah led his family to salvation. Are you leading your family to salvation? Right. Is your wife the main one that's getting you to come on Sunday? Mm. Or are you saying, hey, let's, that, hey, we're going to church. <laughs> Y'all need to get up. Yeah. Yeah. Or are you saying, well, you know, I, I, man, my wife, you know, she's always dragging. We, I know Sunday, uh, morning service starts at 1030. I know we've been getting there about 1130. <laughs> An hour later, you know, when, when church, when, when, when Brother May's up preaching and almost done and you show up, are you leading mm. or are you just there? Are you providing a ride for your wife? Mm. Are you leading or are you saying, hey, I, I'm, I'm, I need to lead us. To say, I, lo- I love you so much. I want the best for you. I know it ain't that, that you know, two carat cubic zirconium that I got you or Whatever it may be, I, I, I know that that's not the absolute best I can give for you. I, I, I know we don't have a, a huge mansion and all these things, I, but I've I, I tried my best. I, but I want the absolute best for you. I want the best for our family. And the best that I could possibly give is for y'all to live eternally in a mansion Amen. with a robe and a crown. Amen. You know, so let's get up. Let's go to church. Let's be there on time. Let me get myself together spiritually so I can lead this family. And then everything, brothers, that's half the battle. Right. If you're struggling that with your wife, man, if, if the main thing that she has to complain about you is that you're always at the church, <laughs> man, brothers, you're doing all right. Yeah. If that is your struggle, just, man, every time I look up, you're talking about doing something at the church, you're doing it, yeah, that's all right. If you can get to that point, <laughs> I guarantee you, your marriage is going to be okay. Amen. But we have to be that spiritual leader. Just like Joshua. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15 it says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites, and whose land you have lived. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Do we, do we have that mentality? Is that our mentality in our marriages? Even if you're not married, is this your mentality? For me, I'm going to serve the Lord. Now, sometimes you may have to go off and leave your wife. You may have to go off and leave the kids. But if you set that example for me, hey, I'm going to serve the Lord. I guarantee you everything else falls into place. First Timothy chapter five, we have to be a provider. Uh, Verse eight, it says anyone who does not provide for them, their uh, relatives, and especially for their own household 
has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, yes, we are to be that provider for our wives. Yeah. Yeah, Are we to work and provide? Yes. Now, you know, if there's some other circumstances, you're disabled, you can't work, retired. Hey, that's all right. You got income. We're providing in that manner. But it doesn't all. That ain't the only way we need to provide. You know, we we need to provide uh, emotionally. We need to be that provider for our kids to give them advice. We need to give our wife. There's so much that we need to provide for. And it's not just monetarily. So are we that provider for our family? Are we that provider for our wife? The things that she stands in need of, are you there to provide that for her? Are you giving her the attention that she needs? Or is the guy on the elevator or walking down the street or the guy that she sees at the grocery store that gives her a compliment? Did he provide her with what she needed? With just a compliment. So what are we providing for our wives? Are you really providing those things that she needs? If you're not, then, oh, that's where that sin creeps in. If you're not being that provider, you're not fulfilling your role. As a man, we are to be a lover. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25 It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He told us to love our wives. Why would he tell us to love our wives? Sometimes I know we're busy. You know, we got all these things going on. We're we're struggling. We're sleepy. We're tired. All that. But does that mean to neglect, uh, neglect your wife? Does it mean that, you know, when you say something, when she says something, that you just, just fly off the handle? Is that love? In verse 28, it says, In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. And who loves, he who loves his wife loves himself. Amen. After all, no one ever hates their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. Man. You know, I, I look at my, you know, stomach nowadays. It's, it's, it's still tight. <laughs> but it ain't tight like it used to be. <laughs> it's a different kind of tight now. Yeah, Georgia, every now and then she'll put a hand on my stomach. I, 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 I just, I like it. I'm like, mm. But no matter how you look at your body, you know, you're like, I, I need to lose some weight. You know, I, yeah. But you still eat, don't you? <laughs> so either you're going to put up and, and accept the way you look. Yeah, I know I got a little extra weight, but I'm keep, I'm keeping on keeping on. You keep it moving, right? Or you go and, and work it out. You say, oh, let me go to the gym and cut back. Let me do the best I can to get this thing looking like I want it to look. No, we're looking at our marriage the same way. You just said, hey, we need to do our marriage the same way. Amen. You know, if it ain't looking like you want it to look, then you need to either accept it, for, accept your wife for what she is, what she does, like you did in the beginning, but now you're looking at it differently. <laughs> or you work it out. It's a, well, babe, you know, we, we need to, this is what we need to fix because, you know, men, that's the way we look at things. Women, we, we want to fix stuff. And some men in here don't know how to fix nothing. <laughs> but we should know how to fix our marriage, right? 
And I'm telling you how to fix it, brothers. I'm telling you. You know, these are the instructions on how, how to fix it, you know, as a lover. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse uh, 7 again, it says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate uh, as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the re- uh, weaker uh, partner and as heirs with you in the uh, gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Amen. You know, are you looking at your, your wife as an heir with you to this precious gift? You know, or are you looking at life, man? I, do you still like your wife? I mean, do you, seriously, I mean, there's one thing to love. You probably, you know, because of love, you're probably still together because of that. But do you actually like each other? Do you like hanging around each other? Do you like talking to her? Do you look at her and say, you know, I, I, I would, I don't even, I don't even want to go through this life without you. Amen. Are you still looking at her in that way? You did at one point. You did. Because you asked her to marry you. So are you looking at her as an heir with you? Are, are y'all two one? Are you looking at yourselves as one? Or are you going about your own selfish ambitions? Mm-hmm. Have you left her to the wayside and you're looking at things differently now? So brothers, if you want to get things right, let's get this part right. And women, it says, what is your role? It's to guide the family, guide the home. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 14, it says, I will, therefore, that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none a, a occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. Mm. Or are you being that guide in your household? You know, if you have children, are you there for them? You know, see, I like this latter part of it. It says, uh, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully, to speak bad of you, to come up with stuff. You know, so, ladies, when, when you're not there being a, a homemaker, somebody's looking and saying, you know, she ain't, them kids bad. They don't know nothing. They unruly. Do you know that gets back to your husband? She ain't ever there. Do you know that gets back to your husband? <laughs> and now that's where sin creeps in. And now he's looking at you like, oh, you know what? You ain't good with the kids. <laughs> so that gives an entry to Satan because you ain't doing your part. Be submissive to your husband. According to Ephesians 5, verse 22, it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Now as to the uh, now the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. You know, sometimes in uh, Colossians uh, 3 and verse 18, it says, Wives, submit yourselves to your uh, husbands uh, as fitting to the Lord. And sometimes we look at this as just sexual. Right? You, you need to, it says you... Give him his due benevolence and all that. Yeah, that's 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 fine. That's a part of it. Mm-hmm. Because that's a part of that marriage, that, that institution that actually is a good thing. That's right. Because God looks at that honorably. That's 
Right? So that's a good thing. But that's not what I'm talking about right now. We're talking about ladies being submissive to your husbands. <laughs> you know, if, if he says, well, hey, we're going to, I want us to start going to church. He said, I, I, I don't know. I, I, got, I, I got my business on the side. I need to, are you submitting to him saying that I want to get us right with God? Mm-hmm. Or are you submitting to him in a way that, you know, are you that homemaker that we just read about? Mm-hmm. He said, well, I want, you, I want us to do better with the kids. Are you being submissive in that manner? Right. Or are you just strong? Well, I got I, you have your objectives, you got your goals, and I, uh, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Are, are your goals superseding the betterment of your marriage? Well, well, come on. As a are in this day and time, I, I get it, I understand. You know, uh, women, you're in the workplace, and we're looking for equal rights, equal pay, and all this stuff. That's fine and dandy, but what does that have to do with God's kingdom? Amen. You know, so if your husband is like, you know what, sweetie, uh, uh, we're in this rat race. You know, I know we got a you know, 5,000 square foot house now, but, you know, I, I, I'm going to be all right if we have a 700 square foot home. And, you know, I want to scale back a little bit because I want to focus on us. I want to focus on us getting right with God. This is needed to be our focus. I want to teach the kids on how to do this and that and all these things. And you like, I, hmm. <laughs> what you mean we just need one car? <laughs> what you mean? Are you being submissive in that manner as well? Right. So are you letting your husband do his job as being a leader? Amen. Be a helper to your husband. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 through 25. But I, you know, just verse 18, it says, uh, And the Lord said, It is not good for a man uh, that the man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. Are you truly your husband's help meet? You know, are you there to hinder him? Are, are you there disrespecting him? Are you there just calling him all kind of names and being mean? When he comes home from work, which he should be doing, <laughs> it ain't really necessary for you to work. You know, you say, well, it, it really ain't. I mean, if you lower your expectations, if you, you, can, you can lower your means and, and still be okay. Amen. You can. But, but for the man, we're charged by God to do this thing. So, but when he comes home from work, is that his refuge? It, it, when he comes home from work, are you you're the main one tearing him down? Right. Mm. Well, anyway, I, I don't want to get in there. So, <laughs> but I've gone over these things before. But the fundamentals of a strong marriage is uh, in this order, trusting and obeying God, love, loyalty and respect and faithfulness. So trusting and obey God. That's number one. So if you want to get your marriage on the right track, you're going to have to trust and obey God. You're going to have to trust and obey his word. Proverbs chapter three, verse five, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. You know, the, the way you're going about your marriage that's in trouble, it's not working. Y'all are still butting heads after all this time. And now you're on the verge 
of divorce because you're going about things your own way. But God said, hey, if you just trust in me and obey my word, I've given you instructions on what you should do. I give you instructions on what she should do. If she don't want to do what she's supposed to do, you do what you want. You're supposed to do and I'll take care of her. Yes, I'll take care of him. That's right. But when you do what I tell you to do, yeah. man, you're going to be OK. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the two become one. But in judgment, you're going to stand on your own. <laughs> so all this stuff that you're stressing out about your husband and, and all you're stressing about about your wife, she ain't submissive. She just always routed, whatever it may be. You do your part. That's right. You show up here, brothers. That's right. You continue on in God's word. You, you fight a good fight and see how things work out for your favor. Yeah. You know, so. It's no mystery about it because it ain't working out the way that you're trying to work it out. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, And we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And if you are called, it, man, if, if you are a Christian, if you proclaim to be a Christian, do you not know you have a purpose? Do, do you not know? You're married for a reason. The, the world gets married. Those worldly folks get married. But do you know your marriage, even in your marriage, it has a purpose. We're supposed to be different from those that are in the world. When someone sees a married Christian couple, they should say, oh, that is love right there. So, but if you're out in public and you're, man, <laughs> cursing at each other and all this stuff. How can you claim to be a Christian in, in this institution that God put together and you acting a fool? Amen. How can you be a Christian? Right. It, it just doesn't work. So to have that good marriage that you uh, want, everybody wants a good marriage. Nobody wants a bad marriage. Amen. Nobody does. Will it take work? Yes. It takes work. Are you going to have issues? Yes, you're going to have issues. Every married couple in here have gotten to a point, probably, that they were ready to get a divorce. Probably everyone in here. But what keeps you together is trusting and obeying God. And then that changes your whole mindset. But if you don't have that, then you're going to be on the brink of divorce. And you're going to follow through with it. Love. This is what you have to have in your marriage is love. First Corinthians chapter 13, verse four says love is patient. Mm. You know, your, your, your spouse is the one you're the shortest with. They, you, they can't even breathe right. Why are you breathing all loud? <laughs> Why are you slurping up the spoon with you? I already told you this patience is just short. It's time to go. <laughs> right, Georgia? <Yep>. Right? <laughs> this is short. The patience is not there, but love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. You know, it... Sometimes we've talked about pride before. It's, it's one of those sneaky things that you don't even know you're living proud. 
you know, you 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 arguing with each other. You got this thing that that now you to a point where it's almost like it's no turning back. Y'all just can't stand each other. You're on the brink, and all you have to do is say, "I'm sorry." Hey, let's get this thing right. Let's work on this. But because of pride, <laughs> because of your pride, you won't even say, "Hey, I know something's wrong. Let's get it right." So love is not proud. In verse five, it is not rude. It is not self-seeking. You know, it, that, that's another issue in the marriage. Yeah. That I'm seeking my own thing. I'm seeking my own career. I'm seeking, I, I enjoy hanging out with the boy. This is, you're now one. If that is detrimental to your marriage, then you're seeking your own, for your own gain. So when you're married, you're seeking what's better for your marriage. You're seeking what's better for your family. Some things may have to change. Yeah, you may have been that, that guy that likes to rock on the back porch. And, you know, I'm, I'm a simple guy, too. I really am. But when there's a need in the family, you know, if there's a need for you to step up and help the kids study or whatever it may be, you, you can't, you got to put yourself, especially dads, Amen. as fathers, as husbands, we're, uh, newsflash, we, we're always, we're last. <laughs> We do for our families. We provide for them. And sometimes, you know, you just have to be last. You know, but are you self-seeking? Love is not that. Uh, It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Yeah, I know. We talked about the infidelity. You know, even with that, that's, yeah, that is a way to, you know, that is a a reason that you can get divorced. But if you choose not to, then, hey, if you choose to get your marriage right, if you want your marriage on the right track, and it keeps that love keeps no record of wrong. Even that, even that betrayal, that 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 that's the thing. If, if you lose trust at some point, that is the thing that's so hard to get back. And, and, and you know, it doesn't matter what you say; you're never going to say the right thing. You know, you're never going to say what somebody else wants you to say because you're not that person. But what speaks louder than all that, I'm sorry, I'm, you know, I, whatever, whatever, it's your actions. So to help your mate not keep record of those wrongs, you may need to change your action. Whatever it was, that wrong that you did, you need to make sure you turn, hey, you turn around and, and, and do things right. And, and that she, he or she needs to see that change in you. But, but when that person, when you see that person trying and you chose to forgive them, no matter what it was, they lied to you, whatever it was, then don't keep a record of that. Don't keep bringing that up because you'll never get past it. Your marriage will never be what it's supposed to be because you're holding on to something that you shouldn't because that's not love. If you choose to love that person, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Is that love in your marriage persevering? Or on your, are you on the brink of just giving up? And so many are there. But let's get back to that love and loyalty. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his uh, father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife. Loyalty. 
Are you loyal to your husband or you're loyal to your wife? Are you still hanging out with the fellas? Are you giving that woman your ear? Are you giving that man your ear? You know, you, you go on, you know, you, you're working together. Y'all on the same team. Are you giving him or her your ear? Or are you loyal to your husband or wife at home? You know, First Corinthians chapter 13, about this loyalty. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, that beareth all things. <clears throat> Loyal, even when things are tough. It doesn't walk out on the day of trouble. So are you loyal to your husband or your wife when things are going wrong? When you just don't see no way out, are you still being loyal to your wife? Amen. Or are you giving somebody else that ear? <laughs> That's where it will start. That's right. Or are you giving your eye <clears throat> to lust after someone else? Or are you being loyal to your husband or wife when trouble comes? Yeah. It believes all things. <clears throat> Loyalty believes in one's mate that trusts them. Yeah, you lost your trust, but if you choose to make your marriage right, that loyalty, you have to trust. I know at some point you may have lost that trust, but that's the thing that's, that Satan is, is getting you at, because you no longer trust him or her. Right. Like I said, that action speaks louder than words, so are you being loyal? It, it, it hopes all things. Loyalty never looks for the worst in them, but only believes the best. Yeah. It, mm. Sometimes you, you look at your husband right, and they just can't do no right. <laughs> they look at that joker. Uh, she just said, uh, she don't do this, uh, whatever it may be. And, and now you're looking at, oh, well, such and such husband know how to do this and that. He always this and that. Mm-mm. <laughs> your husband <laughs> your husband look at him if, if you ain't looking at your husband or your wife and, and saying oh I, that's my wife no, nothing compares that's, that's the way I look at Georgia nothing, you see some woman where, man nothing compares to Georgia look at Georgia so if that ain't your mentality, that guy, that smooth talker on the job, that's always dressing short, smelling good, all that. If, if your thought ain't, oh, I wonder what, I wonder what Bobby doing. Amen. No, no, you don't think that. I'm saying my wife. She <laughs> right? <laughs> you ain't thinking. What is, you know, my husband thinking? <laughs> you know, but that has to be that loyalty that I'm talking about. You know, one more. Endure all things. Loyalty sticks, um, uh, sticks, uh, sticks it out. Loyalty does not abandon the home. Amen. You know, so, you know, even a dog. You know, I look at a dog. No matter if, if, if y'all are down to just, you ain't got, you know, down to giving them a half a can of dog food a day. They lose him weight, he'll still sit there. Still wag his tail when you come around because he's loyal. 
Man, if you're loyal to your husband or your wife, no matter when trouble comes, oh, you, you, we ain't wagging our tail, but man, we, we get happy. <laughs> just, just saying, oh, hey, babe, how was your day? Every day ain't going to be no good day. Don't, don't get me wrong. Every day is that we got, we, we're living life. <laughs> so it's going to be some tough days. No, no, but that loyalty, even when trouble comes, you're not, you're not ready to run out the door. You're not ready to say, I, I want to divorce listening and all this stuff. So that loyalty is key. Respect. Mutual respect is the fundamental, is fundamental for any marriage that expects long-term success. And we read that over in uh, Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, where it gives us instructions on what the man should do, what the husband should do, and what the wife should do. So that respect has to be there. Respect your husband. Respect your wife. Respect what they're saying. Sometimes you just have to listen. Sometimes you can't fix it. But you at least respect what she or he has to say. It, whatever their ambitions is, respect that. Don't say, well, I'm, we're, I'm beyond it. I want this. Respect each other. If that respect is not there, you're going to say any and everything to each other. Amen. And that's not going to work in the marriage. Faithfulness. We see Ephesians uh, 5.31 and Genesis 2.24 speaks uh, of the bond that exists between the husband and the wife, the bond that should only exist between the two people. Amen. You have to be faithful. Amen. You have to be faithful. <laughs> and that goes back to loyalty as well. You have to be faithful. Right. Which, what he or she believes that you're going to do believes what your role is, you have to be faithful in doing that thing. So in order to get your marriage where it should be, it's, it's, it's no, it's just like if you want to lose weight it's, uh, and get in shape, it's, it's no rocket science to it. It really isn't. <laughs> if you want a good marriage, it's no rocket science to a good, awesome marriage. It's not. If you want to lose weight, is diet and exercise. You, you cut back on what you're eating <laughs> and exercise. And you want somebody, you know, high blood pressure, all this, that ain't no real rocket science to it. But you got to put yourself in subjection to do so. So if you want a good marriage, put God first. Amen. That's the number one thing is putting God first and then doing what you're supposed to do according to his word. Amen. It's the two of you in that marriage, husband and wife, the way you look at each other now may be that you can't stand each other. But if you change your mindset today is that she is the most awesome, beautiful woman in the world. If that's your perception, that's going to be your reality. Amen. But as long as you look at her as I don't even want to go home. You look at him as he can't do nothing. He broke. <laughs> if that is your perspective, then your marriage is not going to work. Who wants to live what you think is hell on earth? Well, trust me, hell is going to be a whole lot worse. <laughs> You're going to be there a whole lot longer than you've been married. <laughs> so while you're here, while you're married, make the best of it. Amen. It's the two, two people. 
If he doesn't want to do right, if she doesn't want to do right, you do right. And you're going to be all right. (laughs) I like this quote. It says, there is no challenge strong enough to destroy your marriage as long as you both are willing to stop fighting against each other and start fighting for each other. Two of you, your marriage, you're fighting against each other. At one point, you would have did anything for each other at one point. So what changed? Whatever it was, it can change and it can get better. And and those that have gone through all this, like I said, this message is for you, too, because, you know, someone is struggling in their marriage. Even if you think they got it going on, you know, Georgia and I, we need encouragement, too. Hey, we love each other. Yes. But are we married? Are we two different people, two mindsets sometimes? But, hey, we, we got a good thing going. We, hey, I love my marriage. Because that's my mindset. <laughs> and I'm trying to do things right in God's sight. So that's my message for you today. You know, is, is if you're struggling in your marriage, let's get it right. Let's get it right. You know, and if you're here today, if you're visiting, you know, we always extend the invitation for salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized. But if you're here, you've already given your life over to Christ. And even if this lesson pertains to you today and, and you're struggling in your marriage and that love that God has commanded you to have for one another, if that's not there, then, you know, let's get it right. Because if you're living in sin... Christ said, where, where he is, you, you can't go. And it would be a shame for something that simple, something that you just at one point was all wonderful. But you let one thing get in the way. And now you, you, you don't love your wife like you should. You don't love your husband like you should. You, you're doing all these things. It would be a shame for you to be going through all this and let that be the reason you go to hell. <laughs> Oh, all of that. Let's get it right. So if you're here today, if, if you have sinned and repented of those sins, you can make that known now as well. Um, but let's get it right. We're here. We, we're here today for a reason. You're not just here by chance. I see we have our visitors with us again. It's good to see you all again. But we're not here just by chance. You may think somebody invited you or you saw the website. You came by here. We are all bent on making it to heaven. And we know that according to God's word, he's given us instructions on how to get there. We know that we're going to have trials and tribulations in this world. And we need to get it right. That sin, we have to repent of it. We have to get it right. We have to be obedient to God's word. That is my message for you today. What is our song? 613. 613. As we stand and the invitation is open.